Welcome to this month's episode of Finding Perfect Property, Diary of a Buying Agent, where we explore the world of real estate and the intricacies of making a home in the UK. I'm your host, Camilla Dell, Managing Partner of Black Brick, and today I'm joined by John O'Brien, founder of Domus London, a boutique super prime developer who has developed some of the world's most prestigious residences, from mansions in Bel Air to villas in North London. John is an expert at creating bespoke, turnkey homes with a distinct British aesthetic for some of the world's most discerning clientele. John, thank you so much for coming on the show um, today. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me and thank you for the lovely introduction. Pleasure. Um, I always love to start by asking my guests, how, um, how did you start your career? What inspired you to pursue a career as a super prime developer? I think a love of architecture and design. And uh, I started off initially as an architectural photographer, and then that naturally took me through to, through a, f- a few stages, through to um, development. Amazing. So you were taking pictures of properties and you thought, wow, I think I'd like to have a crack at developing I'm something. I inspired by them, the shape, the light, the flow, the volume. Yeah. Um, the simple things that you just have to do properly to, to, to get a great product. And um, ultimately, I had the opportunity to do that. Domus London, really interesting name. How did you how did you come up with the name for your business? I didn't want to call it John O'Brien Developments or anything like that. Um, Domus is actually Latin for Grand Mansion, and this is the the sector that I was interested in um, developing. So, Domus was the name. Yeah. It works really well. You've certainly you've certainly developed some amazing homes, ranging from a mansion in Bel Air to a boutique apartment building in Totteridge. What's been your favourite project to date? All of them are my favourite projects for different reasons. Some from the des- design aesthetic, some for the technical solution, uh, some for the s- strategy in beating the planners. All of them have got... Um, they're like your children. They've got a nice place in my heart. And, and honestly, when they're finished, it's very difficult to, to give them up. We only build a few projects every year. Yeah. And they are like babies. You, you don't want to give them back. You, you put so much love, time and passion into them. Yeah. Um, to actually hand them over is really difficult. Now, a lot of developers build them quickly, pile them up and sell them, and they do fantastically well, and hats off to them. My my whole premise is to, to build properly, to build with um, sick internal walls, not plasterboard walls. So all of our internal walls are 140 Newton concrete block. Tall ceilings, the flow, the light, the shape, mm. is really important to me. And... Um, by the time you've got through that and done three years of planning, it's really difficult to give them up. You've developed in both the US and the UK. What's your take on, on those two markets? Is one more enjoyable than the other? Is one easier from a legislative perspective than the other? They've both got their challenges and they're both exciting and interesting. Uh, for example, in America, we bought 11 acres of land opposite the Hotel Bel Air. And we knew that when there's a certain plot ratio, we could have almost any design we wanted on that land. That makes it easier. Yeah. Um, but in London, yeah. once you're through the planning process, which is very difficult, your product becomes unique and rarefied and therefore it attaches a premium to it. So they're different markets and they're enjoyable for different reasons. And it was great working in the sunshine in L.A. What qualities do you think are essential to become a successful real estate developer? The most important quality, I think, is patience and then uh, an application to get best in class across all facets of the development, from the design, the aesthetic design, through to the design behind the facade. So from a technical point of view, 
Um, the flow of the house is really important. People think that, oh, yeah, you can just um, design a house from the outside. We design it from the inside out, and then we put the facade on. We tend to like Regency Georgian facades. We love the symmetry. We love the fact that you can have line render and it's breathable, which is good for the air quality. There's lots of different parts to the process. But if you're committed and passionate and you've got patience, yeah. then you'll be a decent property. Patience with the London planners, I guess. <laughs> and But also the process. Yeah. Um, too many people want to have a, a cookie-cutter approach and they say, well, I've done this here and I'll, I'll take the same solution here. Every one of our approaches is bespoke for the site. Yeah. Um, we look at the site. Is it facing south, north, east, west? All of these things have, an, have a knock-on effect on where you put your outside space um, and how you build, where you put your basements, if you want a basement. There's lots of things to consider, but patience is the key. Yeah, good, very good tip. Um, I want to move on and talk about your latest development, which is 52 Avenue Road. Why did you decide to develop on this particular road? COVID was a, a big game changer um watching everyone rushing out of london to get their private outdoor space and ultra high net worth leaving and abandoning sometimes their apartments their houses in the center of london st john's wood is that and has historically always been one of those places that where the merchants used to go where they've got genuine out, outdoor space and you can be very quick into the center of london you're just across a park you're 10 minutes away from mayfair and everything but you got the opportunity for outdoor space. And when I came across the site and it was offered to me, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. It's a trophy road, um, but you've got space. We've got almost an acre of, of land there, which is the biggest plot on the road. Yeah, it is, it is a great plot. I've walked past it many times. Do you think that COVID phenomenon, that race for space, do you think that's still there? I don't think people have forgotten. And when I look at other new build development in the centre of town and there is no outside space or there might be a Juliet balcony, I fear for the developers as they're, they're coming to market because people, although they've gone out to the countryside and now starting to come back, St John's Wood is, is getting popular for a reason and I think it's because it's got the outdoor, outdoor space. Nearly a billion pounds worth of luxury homes are currently under construction on Avenue Road. It's a popular road. Do you think there could be a problem with oversupply? No. I think most of those homes are for end users and they, they buy them and they have to have a facade retention. And then instead of it being an existing five, 10,000 square foot home, they're putting great big basements in, uh, enlarging the home for their own personal purposes. These homes are generally bought by the end user who've got time to spend three years or more getting the planning and then building it out whilst living somewhere else, um, they're very bespoke to that per person. We're offering a speculative house at a much better price point in a trophy road with all the amenities of the very best flattered living. And, and with the 52 Avenue Road, can you just explain to our listeners exactly what it is you're developing there? Okay, so originally there was a, a large mansion on the, on the plot, which there still exists, that will uh, soon be demolished. We're putting up 12 residences averaging about five and three quarter thousand square feet. Um, all of the residences will have private outdoor gardens and rooftop gardens with an internal lift that services from the basement all the way to the rooftop. But importantly, they've got all the amenities of, for want of a better word, six-star living. You've got 
Gurkha security, um, valet parking, concierge, uh, house house chambermaid, that sort of thing, um, with a residence lounge and all of the amenities you would expect in the very best flatted living, but with a freehold um, residence with outdoor space. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing to have all of those facilities for just 12 houses um you know you'd normally expect those you know that level of um service in a in a much bigger new build yeah so is that what are the service charges looking like on avenue development? very very comparable so <laughs> um we're using a company that you've probably heard of before which i won't might name for obvious reasons um but it's 14 pound a square foot oh that is reasonable which i think is reasonable for a yeah. very bespoke personalized service so it's almost like having your own personal butler concierge on site because they're going to know every one of the 12 names yeah. in the 12 residences. Um, and you've got ultimate security. Yeah. I'd say but that's... ex-English Army um, yeah. Gurkha security patrolling the ground with the latest CCTV that can pick up a car at 70 miles an hour. So everything has been done, as I said before, to the best-in-class standard or hope. Sounds good. Sounds good. And when when do you expect completion on uh, on the development? third quarter two thousand twenty five? Okay. And it, you're selling at the moment. You're selling off plan at the moment. We are. We haven't even launched yet. Yeah. It was picked up in the press by Bloomberg because we've got um, a big push towards our eco green credentials. That yeah. was picked up by a Bloomberg article. We've got over one hundred and seventy expressions of interest, and we're slowly wading through it. But I'd be surprised if these are ever come to market officially because. We've got so much interest. Yeah. We've got reservations already. That's, that's fantastic. Speaking about that Bloomberg article that uh, I think we were both quoted in that, which was really nice to see. The article was all about how London's mansion buyers are demanding more than just a fancy address. I think that was the title of, of the piece. Do you agree with that sentiment? What are the current trends amongst super prime buyers at the moment what do they value the most the most valuable commodity that they've all got i think is time they don't want to give away time so if we bring something to that's why they need a buying agent john exactly i completely agree <laughs> we'll come on to that later we can discuss what the, the, the value of a buying agent and i think there is a real place for buying agents oh good um well you would say that <laughs> <laughs> But let's talk about, you know, trends amongst super prime buyers. Everybody can talk about all of the different amenities. Everyone has had home cinemas, concierge, valet parking, which I think is, is important. Um, you want to facilitate people's life, not make them more complicated. Mm. Even the smart home technology is being um, honed at the moment, whereby it, may, it actually improves your life. It doesn't complicate your life. I'm of an age where I have to put my glasses on to look at a, an iPad or something like that. If you want somebody to be able to use a house easily, you want it to be intuitive. So all of these things we look at, we look at the flow of a house, just do the simple thing properly and with passion. I want to move on to sort of green credentials. I don't think many of our listeners will, will know this and certainly not many of our clients know this, but um, come 2025, owners of buy-to-let investment properties will have to have an EPC rating, EPC uh, stands for Electrical Performance Certificate, and and all buildings have this. But on residential, if you if you want to rent your property out by 2025, you'll have to have an EPC rating of C or higher to be able to to to, to let to let out. How do you think this is impacting 
residential development? I think it's great. It, it's a, the best analogy I can make is you compare it to the electric car and why that's coming in and why it's starting to gain traction. People not only feel that they're doing their bit for, for the, their carbon footprint, but they can see the value in what they're doing. So what you didn't say there was that in 2025, there'll be no more new build that is allowed to use gas, natural gas. And so we're, we're bringing in geothermal ground source heat pumps, which take boreholes down into the earth 120 metres to nearly 200 metres. For every unit of energy that is put into them, you get four units out. Now, when I did physics many years ago, um, for every unit of energy you put into something, you get slightly less than one unit out because of friction and heat loss, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This technology allows you to put one unit in, get four units out. It's the most sustainable way you can ever run a house. Amazing. And it, you're doing that at Avenue Road? We're doing it at Avenue Road. Fantastic. So this and with lots of other features, natural features, you know, the lime render that goes on our Stuco hmm. houses helps the house breathe. Yeah. So the houses can breathe. We've put or imbued the development with lots of planting. So we've, we've doubled the urban greening factor because of the trees and mature trees that we're putting in. They breathe in the particulates in the air and they breathe out pure oxygen. So the air quality is improved. Lots of different things. The, the elliptical staircases look beautiful, but they actually help bring up the hot air in summer and take it up through the roof. Lots of features that are very sustainable are we're putting into these houses. And that, to me, is what good design is about. It's not just about look, making it look nice. Mm. It's got to work nicely too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, scarily, on, on, on the EPC side of things, it's estimated that only 40% of homes in England meet um, the energy efficiency target. In London, 63% of properties do meet it, but a third of landlords aren't confident their properties will ever reach the C target. If you haven't got the sort of the deep pockets of a super prime developer and you're just a humble buy-to-let landlord um, owning an apartment at the moment with a low EPC rating, what what would your advice be? What what can what can landlords do? Quite easy to make them airtight. Um, even grade listed buildings now, the councils are going back um, and pushing back on on the listing and saying, can we put in double glazing or a form of double glazing? If you can make them airtight goes a long way to helping improve the rating it's good advice i've personally felt for some time that residential property lags behind commercial property when it comes to considering green credentials you'd never see a FTSE 100 company taking a new lease on a building that was environmentally unfriendly do you foresee a time when buyers will start to ask more questions about the green credentials of what they are buying to live in it's happening already um it's a carrot and a stick situation. Pe people, A, I don't care how wealthy somebody is, they don't want to feel that they're overpaying for their energy. Energy costs recently <clears throat> have gone through the roof. Yeah. And people want to make sure that they're doing not only their bit for the, the planet, but they also want to feel that they're, they're not overpaying for their energy consumption. Mm. And these will be almost as cheap to run as a two-bedroom flat. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> to have over a 5,000 square foot house Absolutely. not costing more than a two-bed flat. So we've talked a little bit about the ground source pump that you're putting in and the lime render. Is there anything else you're doing at 52 Avenue Road to make it more green? Yeah, so we've got green walls, we've got green roofs, living walls. All of those 
help with the urban greening factor and help with biodiversity. Mm. There's a lot of other um, features that I, I could technically take you through that bore you silly. But possibly our listeners might not know what they mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in very simple terms, the elliptical shape of our centralised staircase yeah. takes all of the hot air out of the building. That's really in interesting. A efficient way. Yeah. I never actually knew that. I've learned from the, the walls. So if, if you if you go back in history to, to castles, why are they so cool in summer? Mm. It's, it's because of the depth of the walls. Our walls are particularly deep. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of developers don't want to do that because it actually takes away from the size of their yeah. internal um, rooms. Yeah. So it's all these little features. If you're prepared to push... They don't cost a lot more. It doesn't cost a lot more to put up a solid internal wall as it costs to a plasterboard wall. Yeah. If you're prepared to do that, and the top end of the market allows you to do that, um, because it's not driven by every pound, shilling and pence, mm. you can produce something that is really efficient. Yeah, sounds, um, sounds, sounds really good. Who is your target market for 52 Avenue Road? Do you see it mainly appealing to overseas buyers? I think it's a mixture of people. There's the whole lock up and leave market, which is the the international buyers. Historically in St John's Wood, you've, especially in that road, it's a very international road, but you've also got a lot of wealthy English families that have handed their plots over generation after generation. Mm. This particular plot allows people to be on that trophy road at a price point that doesn't compare to other new build houses on the road. Yeah. It's much cheaper but with far better amenities and security um, than other people. So it's a choice if it fits their lifestyle. Because yeah. houses can sell up to sort of 100 million on Avenue. Absolutely. What are, can you give us a feel for the sort of price point of your houses? Um, no, because they're not released yet. <laughs> ballpark, ballpark. Not, um, ballpark, they're going to be... Can we say under Can we say under 20? Yeah. Okay, because just to give a feel for, you know, that they're you know, value you compared, to, compared to the rest of Avenue Road. How are you approaching the sales process, John? Have you appointed an estate agent yet? No, we're, we're off market at the moment. Um, we only got the planning end of November. We're in the design stage of the development, but we're already getting significant interest, um, which obviously we're not going to turn away. Yeah. But um, we, won't, we won't be going on market with this for two years. Yeah. It's interesting that you're you've decided to sort of stay off market for for the time being. Off market is a really, for, for us, it's it's really important as buying agents. 50% of what we acquired last year for our clients was off market. It wasn't being advertised anywhere. Do you think that that is now um, a more successful route to selling well and for a higher price as a developer? I think at the top end of the market, the most important thing for all of these people, and you know them more than, better than I do, is discretion. And people don't, want their house banded around the press too much they're quite happy to have it teased with the various technical features or the aesthetics but they don't necessarily want it openly advertised and needed for sale and i think a lot of the houses at the top end of the market are being sold off market successfully because people value the discretion the same in america they're called pocket listings okay so no we can't look forward to a TikTok, youtube Instagram video for Avenue Road anytime soon. No. <laughs> Even if I knew what TikTok was. <laughs> What's your view on buying agents, John? Easy to work with? Not easy to work with? I want you to be really honest with me. Well, you're very easy to work with. 
Thank you. Um, but I think there's a real place and a need for buying agents. I think people at the top end of the market, especially, and especially if they're foreign, need to understand the market and they need guidance. This is normally one of the, the their largest purchases. And as with anything financial, you would normally have professional advice and people need that professional advice and guidance. And I think the way you've presented yourselves, especially that you don't take fees from the sales, side of, of things I think it's really valuable and people can trust and believe in what you're telling them because there's no upside to you couldn't agree more and I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> from a family of sales agents so <laughs> no thank you obviously I, I'm in complete agreement <laughs> Looking back at London's super prime new build market, it all started with the infamous, sure, famous, One Hyde Park back in 2007. Which London developments and developers do you admire the most, apart from your own, and why? There's a developer called Mike Spink, and I don't know if you've come across yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I really admire his juxtaposition of materials, the quality of his build, his approach. Very discreet. Yeah. If you were to ask me one developer, if you talk about number one Hyde Park, I really admire their PR machine. Yeah. But do I admire their product as much as the Mike Spink? No. Yeah. And Mike Spink was the first to achieve £10,000 a square foot. That's right. He was on um, Princess, Gate. Princess Gate. Yeah, that's right. And all below the radar. No, you know, you never saw any of that online. Love it. And, yeah. you know, I can appreciate modern modern architecture as I can the neoclassic that we produce. Yeah. Um, but. I really rate his interiors and his approach. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I've been lucky enough to walk inside some of his developments and and um, and houses, and I, I agree with you. I think he um, very stylish and, um, and and great, great eye and great use of materials. And yes, I think he's he's probably one of the best developers that 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 I know as well. So, Mike, I hope that works for you. Yes, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about branded residences. It seems to be all the rage at the moment um, when you read the press, more and more popular with developers uh, who place a lot of value on the familiarity of buying into a building that has um, a brand associated with it. For example, in London, we've got the Four Seasons at number 20 Grosvenor Square. Uh, we've got the Peninsula. These have all been achieving huge prices per square foot. With Avenue Road, it isn't associated with a luxury hotel brand, and I guess it wouldn't be because it's more more boutique, so it probably wouldn't make sense. But what are your thoughts on on branded residences? In general? I think they achieve twenty to thirty percent uplift with 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 the brand being associated with them, yeah. and that's because people are so used to using an Armani hotel or a Four Seasons hotel. Yeah, um, and then they get branded in such a way. It doesn't work for us on on a very small development. Yeah, got, and where I think. We're another level of service and boutiqueness um, as a very bespoke. I think there's a comfort for certain people. So at 20 Groves and Square, people feel comfortable that mm. the four seasons are involved or they perceive them to be involved. Mm. Um, do I think it would work for us on that? Yeah. I suppose on another side of that, there are now some really good um, high-end luxury property management firms sort of looking after developments like 23 Avenue Road, who I'm sure you're in touch with. Um, that I wouldn't say they have the same uh, kudos as the Four Seasons, but within the industry, they're quite well known, aren't yes. they? Yes, and um, 
there's one particular one that we're taking. We're taking them to another level. We're pushing them to another level. So yeah. When I said that we wanted Gurkha security, they said, why? And I said, because what? they're ex-English army, so there's a, there's a certain discretion to them, but they know how to wear a uniform. Yeah. They're very... They've got the the right credentials yeah. as security. They're also lovely people. We've got Gurkhas um, yeah. at the Lakes by You, um, which is um, where we've got a country house, and they're just they're lovely, lovely people yeah. as well as being amazingly trained and making you feel safe and secure. Um, they're, they're also um, nice people as well. I want to talk about the pricing of new builds. As a borrowing agent, often my clients really like the idea of new builds. They like um, the fact that they're new and they're modern and less will go wrong with them. They like the security aspects. Often they like the locations that the new builds are in, but they can't sometimes get their head around the pricing. New builds can command at least a 30% premium or more compared to older properties in the same area. How do you address this with buyers looking at your properties if they have that as an objection? Again, it's about time people value their time so if they go and buy a second-hand um house they then want to renovate it to the same standard presumably as one of our new built houses with the same tech behind the facade that costs time and money and some of them are prepared to spend the extra 20 or 30 percent um they may as well then go straight into one of our products um it's the same as buying a new car the same analogy why do you buy a new car instead of one that's one or two years old you get 20% discount. Yeah. You want the warranty, you want want the service, Yeah. and you want the very latest technology. What about if, if buyers say to you, okay, well, that's all well and good. I understand what you're saying, John, but will it, will it hold its value? And what if I want to sell it? Because a bit like a car, when you buy it new, that's brilliant. But then when you come to sell it secondhand, it's lost value. It depends if, if there's a large market for them at the time. And obviously, you know, funny enough, the car analogy is perfect. The chips are in short supply at the moment, so second-hand cars now are getting more than the original new price. And the same with, with houses. If there are 30 or 40 houses in a development for sale, you won't get the pricing. But if there are only 12 of these in the art gallery, they've all sold and somebody wants them. I'm already being asked, are we able to resell them? And I said, no, not until the last one's gone. Yeah. Um, it's all about the market at the time. And if people believe in the product, and they've used the product, then you can get the, the pricing for it. I'm never scared about getting the highest price for something. Yeah. What what I love is actually producing best in class. Yeah. Still on pricing. Record price per square foot for a London new build is rumoured to have been achieved in the peninsula development at circa £10,000 per square foot, but it sounds like that wasn't a, a record. I think that might have been achieved before with Mike's pink. <laughs> I can I can name something at twelve thousand square feet, which I won't. Well, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so twelve thousand pounds per square foot. So um, a new record. How high do you think prices can go for luxury new build in in prime central London? I mean, do you think there could be a time where we could see twenty thousand pounds per square Absolutely. foot? Absolutely. And it's it's all down to inflation and time. I think in ten years' time, you'll see that houses now that command five hundred grand are worth a million or it could be 15 years' time, and the same for new build. And it's market forces. It's Supply, demand. Yeah. So after Avenue Road, what's next for Domus London? What other prime 
global cities do you think look interesting right now from a developer's I'm sticking with London because I'm getting too old and I, I love what I do and I put too much passion into it. So we're sticking in London. We've got some opportunities in the centre of London which will be announced shortly and there's a large opportunity in the um, South Downs. Okay, interesting. You partnered with a Dubai based developer called Select Group um, for Avenue Road. Tell me a bit more about your partnership with them and do you foresee more collaboration on developments in, in Dubai? Not in Dubai but in, in England with them certainly and what really resonated with me was their commitment to best in class mm -hmm. at all levels of the development. So I have no issues with going out shopping and wanting to get the very best in technology, the very best green credentials, the very best of everything because I have their full support and backing. So to me, it's it's the holy grail of JV partnerships. That's good. And if they, because um, the Dubai property market is booming at the moment. Absolutely. But I think one thing that I hear is that the quality of new build construction in Dubai is not the same as it is here in London. Well, go and see a select development. <laughs> go see Emirates Hills or wherever they've got their latest yeah. development and they are committed to the best in class development. And that's what resonated with me. Okay. Um, their CEO drives it. We get on like a house on fire, but more than anything, it's their commitment to quality. And and I'm not just talking about build quality. It's every stage of the, the process, from the planning to pushing the planners to get what we wanted, to getting a few more square feet in, in, in terms of the head heights in rooms. So we've got 3.65 meter room height. Oh, that's good. Which is unheard of. Yeah. And a lot of developers wouldn't build that height because they say well, we'll build at three meters and that's enough and it'll be cheaper yeah that's not us do everything to the very best possible standard yeah. and there's not many developers like that no i would agree talking about london are you positive about the future of the london real estate market what's your take on what the next five to ten years might hold i'm positive about london um in the international market simply because people believe in the judiciary they believe in London as, as a place to do business, and the sense of fair play, the education here, and there'll be twists and turns, highs and lows, but ultimately London, and you look at property over the years, there's been the odd dip, but generally it's on that 45 degree trajectory. I want to talk about sort of last year, we had bank rates rising at their fastest rate. They went from half a percent to three and a half percent. We had a new war. Uh, the UK saw three prime ministers. What do you think some of the biggest demands and challenges facing London developers and facing perhaps yourself are at the moment? Luckily, I think we're a bit isolated at the very top end of the market because people aren't mortgage driven. Where it really has hit is in, in at the mortgage end. But normally when sales are hit, rentals take off. So if you're building something at the lower end of the market, if it's a £500,000 house, or a million pound house and it's mortgage driven if you can't sell it rent it and you'll find the rents go up because it's one or the other is always pushing so at the very top end of the market i'm i'm happy things are fine yeah yeah we have a general election coming up no later than 2025 politicians have in the past played absolute havoc with property tax in the uk what are your thoughts on a labor win well, the last time there was a, a significant Labour government was a Blair government, and they were fantastic, I thought, Yeah. for the property industry. I, th it, To be honest, it's an industry, and it has to be treated as such by 
um, whatever government is in, because it, it creates jobs, it creates taxes, it creates all sorts of opportunity. Um, I've I no real concern. That's good. Future is positive. Half glass full, always. <laughs> So I always love to um, end our podcast, John, by asking uh, my guests their top tips. So what is the one piece of advice you would give to someone who is considering becoming a property developer? As I said at the beginning, patience. That's the key. You've got to have a passion for it. You've got to have the patience for it and the application for it because nothing is difficult. You've just got to be passionate about it. There's not one area that cannot be learnt or understood, but you've got to be simply passionate about it. Passionate patience is my answer. Passion and patience, the two Ps. I like that. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions just to end the podcast with. If you had to describe the London property market in one word, what would it be? Exciting. If you could sell any celebrity's house, whose would it be and why? Brian Ferry, because I admire his style. If you could buy any property in London, regardless of cost, what and where would it be? Probably around one of the parks, such as Regent's Park. I love that style of John Nash architecture. So something around there, even home house on the lake. New build or period? New build. Parquet or poured concrete? Depends on your aesthetic in that particular building buying agent or estate agent depends which side of the fence you're on whether you're selling a property obviously sales agent if you're buying a property buying agent well that brings us to the end of this month's episode of finding perfect property diary of a buying agent I want to thank John from Domus for joining us and sharing his expert insights on what today's buyers of super prime luxury property are looking for. Please join us again soon for more expertise from across the UK real estate market. For more information about how to purchase property in prime central London, please get in touch via our website and don't forget to like and subscribe on whichever podcast channel you use to listen. See you next time. (music) 